Hi, my name is Jim Lewis. And my name is Chris Painter. Welcome to season two of Inside Cyber Diplomacy, a casual and we hope revealing conversation with Jim and I and our guest of the week that hopes to go behind the scenes and really tell the story of what's going on. Well, welcome to our end of year, our traditional end of year wrap up uh, episode. And, and as usual, there's been a lot happening this year. One of the questions we'll address is whether that makes much of a difference, but there's been a lot of activity, certainly, and, and a lot of challenges. So this, this space has continued to be churning, vibrant, however you want to put it. Challenges certainly are, are continue to be great. More recognition of this is an issue even more than last year. So that's good. Jim, what do you think? Chris knows that I always say that going in circles at a high rate of speed is not progress. Unless you're a cyclotron, then then it's good. Uh, I'm thinking of a ship. But let's start. This is allegedly we have diplomacy in the title. Let's start with the UN. A very busy year for the UN. But again, high speed rudder jammed hard left or maybe hard right. But in any case, high speed, not a lot of. Would you say there's any progress? Let me rephrase that because we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the OEWG, which Chris has just escaped from. We're going to talk about the program of action, which remains the once and future king. And we're going to talk about the cybercrime convention, which is cranking along so well that I'm surprised the Russians haven't vetoed it. Well, we'll definitely get to that because I think we're at a, a, a favorite phrase of people now. We're in an inflection point there. As we oh, are, I hate that phrase. Now, I used to use that phrase 20 years ago, and it went, but now it's like everywhere. It's well, a I, genuflection point. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's interesting. And there's also, you know, just, as as folks know, as many listeners know, there's also a whole patina of other UN things going on. There's the Global Digital Compact, whatever that ends up being. There is the Secretary General's Agenda for the Future. There is just so much UN activity that really I think it's hard even for career diplomats who are following this to really engage in all these things because it's not clear what the path is. But we'll start maybe with the UNOEWG, which uh, also I think covers a bit the the program of action, the once and future king, as I think you aptly put it. You know, this is the third year in the five-year Star Trek voyage of the OEWG under this iteration, the second OEWG. And I think it's been marked by, you know, I, the chair loves to use this phrase, incremental progress. We're making incremental progress. Really? I hadn't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so incremental, I think, would be fair to say that the major, that major <laughs> that people would probably point to is they have approved doing this point of contact directory. Let joy be unconfined. Yeah. And, and you know, look, there are other ones out there that are much more mature, like the one at the OSC, for instance. And just approving a directory uh, is well short of actually getting this thing, the, this this network to work. There's a good sense of having the UN have something like this for contacts and in, in urgent situations. But you got to build it. You got to make sure it's robust. So a lot to do there. They also... Do you say important thing, you know, that how capacity is building is is important and other issues. They make some progress on international law, but not a lot. The second report that came out or well, the last report that came out back in June. So that the, it basically is a July to July time frame. And so they just had the first meeting in the news cycle in New York this last week. I think the other thing that's marked this process is not surprisingly, geopolitical concerns have. Uh, that in the cybercrime negotiation, Russia's war in Ukraine, 
colors a lot of this and draws the battle lines even deeper than they were before. They've always been there, but deeper. And now you have the Israeli Hamas. Actually, I'd say they they weren't there before 2015. And so one of the reasons we were able to make so much progress in the GGs, two, three, and four, is that the people were still willing to work. By the end, by the 2015 GGE, Carlos, the chair, had to hold the clock to get agreement because at that point there were clear divisions. And we didn't really make progress substantively beyond what the 2013 text, he was able to get an amazing fit of diplomacy, get the Chinese, the Russians, the Americans, and the weak-minded to all agree to it. So, but that was the high point for me, and it was sort of downhill ever since. And this process, like that process, like the GG process, is a consensus process. So one interesting thing that happened last, you know, when they did the report back in July was that the, Russia kind of held it hostage with a couple other states. And they said, look, we're not going to agree to this thing that everyone else agreed to unless you put in text about our convention that we want to put in. And you have to, either you yeah. come or you have no report. And the they, did that in the, the, they did that in the all the GGs too. What was that thing they had? Remember, the they had some proposal for responsible state behavior. I always loved it because it said, like it had a, set, a sentence that said, Freedom of speech is guaranteed, comma, subject to national law. It's like, no, 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 Igor, you have not got the theory down. <laughs> so they, but we always had to put that in. So I get, taking into account other valuable exercises like blah, blah, blah. So one thing let me ask you, though, because you yeah. brought it up. It looks to me like the secretary general has the digital B in his bonnet. And so he's yeah. decided, people have told me, even when I used to work there, that he's decided that it's an ungoverned space and that the UN needs to bring civilization to it. And part of that's uh, Amandeep Gill's job. Yeah, look, I think that creates attention too, because there's always been this back and forth of what's the UN's role, right? On internet governance and other things. And yep. it keeps coming back. He he does talk about this a lot, the Secretary General, and he said something recently, which, you know, you and I have, it's, it's an, an old saw we've dealt with, where he said that, Maybe there is to be like an independent accountability agency, you know, like a UN agency. For what a great idea. Things. And it's <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that will never happen. And it will never happen because it, realistically, governments are not going to share their intel. How, how many and, times did you try that? I tried that twice when I was there. And I can tell you, most of them blew up on launch. So it's, I'm not a fan. No, it's, it's like, it, look, it's... The UN is a political, by its nature, a political institution. You're never going to get. We see this in the Security Council now. It's you know, and and it's not going to be the vehicle. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean the UN doesn't have important roles, and it does. And so it's good that he's seized with the idea of of the the topic. But how you channel that and how this works out over the next critical couple of years is unclear. When you think about the POA, it's still my favorite horse. That's one thing I, I think that was a good thing from this last week is. The Global Forum on Cyber Expertise, the capacity building group that I've, I've helped run, has a portal called the Civil Portal with all these 900 different documents and best practices for folks. And, you know, Unidir has their, their cyber policy portal. We have now officially linked those portals together. You can access them from each other. And we announced that last week and had a presentation about it. Now, at the same time, there's proposals from India and others to create a global one-stop shop portal. But I think this practically... 
Yeah. Context so that's, that's, this is supposed to be all about diplomacy. So I'm, I, a cynical interpretation was you did that as an evil trick to head off the UN random thoughts about creating their own. No, I mean, look, that might still happen, right? But I think the idea is we we wanted to show we could do make practical progress now. And Unidir is a UN institution, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, oh, it is alleged. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, on program of action, there's great celebration in the streets. People were clinking champagne glasses, especially the French, because this is their, their, their initiative. May we? That they got this passed, the program of action with 153 votes. So wide support. Now, Russia uh-huh. also got their proposal passed. I remember... I think you had these conversations too. I remember Michelle coming to me and saying, great news, you know, the GGE passed by more votes than the open-ended working group proposal the Russians had passed. And and my response was, they both passed. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, you know, I, anyway, but there are some symbolism except, uh, stuff to it. But so you have 153 countries voting it. The problem is right now, it's still an empty vessel waiting to be filled. It's still not clear. And to me, one of the biggest challenges is, you know, in the OEWG, we've had this dynamic where Russia and sometimes another country will block so many different participants, civil society and industry participants from over 40. Folks like Microsoft are blocked and a bunch of others. Well, that's okay. (laughs) No, I think it's important to have industry there, too. you got to have everyone, right? Industry is more than one company. No, that's true. But the tech accord was blocked too, and see, it, it, you know, lots of industry was blocked, lots of civil society was blocked. Every I think ju- at this point, I think they're just doing it to be annoying. Because well, true, but the effect is that even in the best of circumstances, like in the cybercrime treaty, other parties don't have that much of a role. But in in this one, it's not a. If you have a program of action that's based on this idea of action bringing other stakeholders in if this is the formula it won't work so i i thought the poa was supposed to be able to get around the block on uh, civil society well it hasn't yet right so Ah. it has the modalities that they have to figure out over the year and a half has (laughs) to be they have to be able to do that if they can't get other stakeholders in if they end up with something like they have now because you know they're trying to work this out in the oewg which is again a consensus process if that's the result it's not going to be that helpful. Although I will say that having sat through some of those events where they were allowed to speak, hearing a bunch of NGOs moan about responsible state behavior for three minutes well, doesn't yeah. like, actually advance the ball. No, but look, do statements ever advance the ball? I mean, you said I've sat just last week through these things where people read their <laughs> I gave what I was on behalf of Chatham House, where I do work, I, I wrote a statement about stuff we're doing do i expect i'm that? sure yours was brilliant so i withdraw my remarks no but I, you know <laughs> does a three-minute statement advance the ball no what advances the ball is working the room being actually having yes no, i agree i agree and so if a program of action is going to actually be a program of action it can't be just people reading statements in a room it has to be meaningful interaction between states and stakeholders to advance certain things like accountability like capacity building and if we can't achieve that, then you have to wonder how effective this can be. Yeah, well, maybe the s- compromise is to offer the Russians a deal where civil society is led in the room, but they're not allowed to speak. They have to use mime. I mean, I think that might... Any more on the UN? Why, you're tipsy this morning, aren't you? <laughs> you're no, no. You're even more contentious than normal, but uh, I, yeah. I, look, I, I, I am worried. I am worried that this thing will be... 
a thing where that it can't it's not equipped to advance if they can involve yeah. other folks well that's that's the big question is how much progress can the un make period given the deep tensions between great powers between the security council members yeah the, the last thing i'd say about the un is you know not surprising again and this overlaps with another topic is that they've agreed on the norms that's been reaffirmed again again and again and they put some meat on that's great and they've had more discussion and they've had more countries discussing this and we've had a lot more women participate in these un things over over 50 percent of the interventions were given by women which is an amazing progress the women in cyber program has been great getting a mm -hmm. lot of women there from especially developing world countries has been phenomenally good but the thing that that you know not surprisingly has fallen short is the idea of accountability it's great you can say you know there's been joint attribution more and more joint attribution that doesn't do it alone and then you got to wonder the, the un as a method of accountability given the freeze that what you see in the security council and other places is tough so how does accountability happen? And you and I have discussed this for the last like n years, where ends. Yeah, that's right. And so we have made progress in that before, most countries weren't even willing to say the word accountability. So yeah. now they're willing to say it, and they know how to spell it. So maybe that's a good lead-in though to the counter ransomware initiative, because at least some in the U.S. government, in the state, have gotten a little frustrated with the slow pace at the UN and said, let's set up our own thing on ransomware, big deal, you know, colonial pipelines. And they had some real progress this year. They got more members. They have a work program. The work program includes the word accountability, yep. uh, which is a good link. So where do you think? It's an alternative. It's not the alternative. So in talking to people at the various agencies, if you said, hey, come and join us to talk about cybersecurity, and how to deal with the Russian and Chinese threats. No one would show up. But if you say, come and talk about cybercrime and ransomware, you got a good turnout. So it's not a bad strategy. No, it's, it, look, I, I really salute them because we, I, I was a co-chair of this ransomware task force that-, that With Michael Daniel. With, with Michael Daniel and Phil Rainier and uh, Institute for Security and Technology put together. And, and one of our recommendations which i was really uh, hard, you know, hard on was like we this cannot be a one-off effort you can't just have a, a u.s response or an ally response or a world response that lasts like a few months like we normally do and move on you need a sustained effort and very much to to ann newberger's credit and to the folks that have been driving this this is now the third year and they've kept the yeah. pressure on as you said mm -hmm. Jim, i think they're up to 40 countries now and 48 so, it's not all the usual suspects. It's a yeah. really broad base. And, you know, I think David Coe said this well, that it's not a forum where you just accuse different countries of doing things because you're not going to get consensus on that. It is a forum where we look, how can we deal with this problem? How can we band together? There are different tracks, uh, working groups that have been set up. I went to one of the days of the meeting this last time to be on a panel. And it really, you know, look, they're, they're looking to make real progress and real yeah. impact. And so how, how does that's it really good. How does it link to what you're doing in capacity building? Because I know that's a big part of the CRI. Yeah, so the, the capacity building, there's a capacity building and uh, diplomacy working group that our friend Regina from Germany co-chairs with the, uh, someone from Africa from Nigeria. Uh, it's it's We had an event with that woman here at CSIS and with David Coe, and she's yeah. great. She so one of the things, it's to your point, 
maybe because it's a new field, some of the most powerful thinkers or speakers in cybersecurity are women. And they're not from the they're from the global, if I can say it, the global south. Yeah, and she, I think she is great, and she's from that. She's not from their foreign ministry. She's from their, I think, security ministry. As I recall, right. I, I yeah. But, but you know, they're driving that. You know, there are other working groups that are more on the kind of operational stuff and the policy mm -hmm. stuff. One of the reasons I was there was we were talking about some of the capacity building issues, and really, amazingly, at the end, they had Samantha Power, who is now our USAID administrator. And you know, formerly our ambassador to the UN, as as, you, as most people listening know, and she gave a talk, and the talk was essentially, look, cybersecurity capacity building is part of the larger development program, and that's exactly the point I think we've been trying to drive home. Just as an aside, we just had this big conference in Ghana and Accra that we did with the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, the Cyber Peace Institute, and the Global Forum on Cyber Expertise. Got over 900 people, Jim, from around the world to Accra. And the major theme was we need to bring the development community and the cyber capacity community together because cyber really undergirds all development. When was the first time you went to a meeting to bring the development community and the cyber community? It was a while, no, it was a while ago. And, that's, and, and so here's an area where I actually saw market progress. The World Bank said, yeah, they were very happy with the sessions they had. They did get a good mix of folks. And we released something called the ACRA call. Remember, there's the Paris call and the Christchurch call. There's now an ACRA call that talks about tactically how we can, you know, it's a it's an action-oriented framework, how we can get these communities working together. So I'm hopeful, even though I'm a you know, I'm a you know pessimistic lawyer usually. <laughs> I'm actually hopeful that was good. And then hearing Samantha say that at this thing really, I think, means the conversation at least has moved on and maybe we're going to make some progress. Well, you know, the old saying here today, tomorrow, Ghana. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but there's one thing, more thing on the ransomware task force. Look, I, I think I see their work accelerating. You know, I don't think this is going to go away. Now, who knows right. with elections and stuff, what happens? But and I think the other thing that that the White House has done well is shared the burden. So it's not seen just as a, you know, here's a White House initiative. It's seen as a global initiative now that, you know, the White House has been kind of managing from the beginning, but but it's I think everyone has a shared interest in that group. And, and maybe maybe we can close out with that then because one of the things I think the White House is trying to do is get the State Department involved in the counter ransomware initiative. And they were there. I mean they were there and they're yeah. yeah. It was better than sending a card to the State Department. So what? one day was held at the State Department. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's intentional to get them. In. Where do you, yeah. what? How would you rate them so far? This we should talk about the soon-to-be-seen international cyber strategy that will come from State, written by our friend Adam Siegel, who's a pretty smart guy. We should talk about the progress in building the new bureau, yeah. and what I think we both agree on is maybe a little too much weight on the EB side, the economic bureau side and talk about state. I, Nate Fick is doing a great job, but he was dealt a weak hand in some ways. I look, I think it's, first of all, I mean, I know from experience, it's hard to, to build a new bureaucratic structure. It's just difficult, right? It's hard to mainstream it. Now he's gotten some advantages because the secretary is fully behind him. Wendy Sherman was fully behind him. He has good relations with the other the folks in the interagency. Having the structure in the deputy's office, at least initially, was something I argued for, and I think you argued for as well. And that gives it more heft and ability to cut across the various lines. 
but you know, also not surprisingly, there's a lot of tensions there because bringing all those things together, the the economic in- interests, human rights uh, interests, the cyber interests, and making them kind of interoperate. You, hard. You, you didn't use the word security, and I think that's one of the biggest missing links in this, is that it's got a political military aspect. Not to say it should go back to PM, not to say it should be in the T family, but they've got to figure out a way to make it more than a phone booth. Yeah, I, I you know, like, a phone booth is my description of EB, by the way. So, but I, I think, I think Liesel, who's the deputy for yeah, uh, doing well. national security piece, and they have good people over there and they're working very hard. But, it, it, you know, the balancing act is hard because I think it's this is my own prejudice, I know, and maybe yours too, but a lot of the the economic stuff and innovation stuff is a little easier you know you could say we want yeah we want innovation we want growth ai some of the new technologies there are hard issues there to be sure but the international security stuff is not that easy you know there's a lot of work we need to do and my feeling jim is no one does that as well or could do that as well as state the diplomacy part really is their baby whereas it should know, be the yeah. innovation portfolio is shared with commerce and other agencies and ostp the, the you really need to fill that gap and show leadership. Now, they are doing a lot with what they have. But as you say, getting that balance right, I, I think it's been leaning a little toward, toward much the, the other side. The messaging coming out of the Bureau has been a little too much on that side and not enough on the security side, especially with all the threats we're seeing around the world growing, not dissipating. There's been some good stuff, like what they're doing in Costa Rica. You know, they're setting up this new center. Uh, Nate getting more funding or trying to get more funding he can direct for capacity building stuff some of the joint attribution work and some of the certainly what's going on in the un but no no given given the obstacles he he faces he's made tremendous progress and but for the life of me i can't remember what was in that strategy thing they showed us yeah <laughs> well and on the strategy that's going to be an interesting tell how they get that balance right because i'm sure internally too they're getting a lot of right battles and now they just hired Eileen Donahoe as the special envoy in the bureau working on the human rights stuff which is great because Eileen is a uh, you know mm-hmm. powerhouse and that's an important part of the portfolio too but it'll be interesting to see how the strategy how these things are ordered and interrelated and we had Nate on the program as you know uh yeah. not too long ago and we talked to him a bit about this and, and I think you can't also just run these as different silos they have to the whole idea of putting them together is so that you can leverage each other. And there are ways to do that. Not easy. Again, again I know from experience, but it's important if you're going to bring these issues. To and them. I think they picked up on the thing you started where they bring the people from the embassies in. I know they did one in London last month, maybe, to we're really defining a new field here. And it's not particularly well defined. And there's a lot of confusion and there's debate about the weightings of the different aspects and bringing people in just to learn about this. I think, I know it must not be a bad thing because a couple foreign embassies here in DC have come in and told me they're envious. Um, yeah, effort. So well, it, it, we're, it, we are building a new field. So to give some sense of, of progress on that, we did these first regionally and then brought back people to DC. We had like Vint and, uh, and other people talking. I think they did it in London this time. Yeah, so we, we've done that. First, regionally, we did London for EUR. We did different places around the world. Then we then we transitioned to bring them all back here. It was based on the regional strategies that Wendy Sherman helped as deputy to get the bureaus to write. But 
you know, and that was really good to kind of mainstream this topic and get people involved. But it was funny back then. I remember having a conversation with FSI, the Foreign Service Institute, and saying we wanted to make this a course. And the reaction was, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a passing fad. I don't know, you know. Well, I and, still see a lot of that in the department, though. Is that but this, now it is now it's technology stuff. Yeah, but now it's an FSI course, so that's oh well. So oh, look, that's progress, right? That means they're thinking yes. of it long term. We're going. We're going through this with this uh, EU cyber book that you will contribute to, I hope. Uh, it's like, how do you... And we thought there's a lot of books on international relations theory and cybersecurity, which turn out to be next to useless when it comes to actual negotiation yeah. and diplomacy. So suppose we got diplomats, people who, you know, help make the sausage to write chapters, and we'll see how it turns out. But yeah. no, uh, it will be interesting. Now, look, I, I think... It's going to be a well. The strategy will be a, a defining document. Obviously, it's supposed to be for the bureau, and and that's why it's so important how this turns out. Certainly, and and I look. I'm I'm happy to see the bureau is there. That's great. I'm I I I still think it should not move into one of the the you know the undersecretaries. I think it should stay where it is, or as Nate suggested in his podcast, become an undersecretary. I I'm sort of with Nate now. I mean, if you it doesn't belong under T. T, T has sort of lost its way. If you put it under E, then it's it will turn into just a big E B. Yeah. It needs its own. They used to have they had every letter of the alphabet for a while. They had like P, Q, R, G, I. There's J, there's where the you know, J yeah. is that grab you bag. Can, my motto is you can never have too many undersecretaries. But um I think this would be a good one. Oh, come on, you got so many. One more won't hurt. No, and look, it is it is a major cross-cutting issue, and it really, you can't easily fit it anywhere. So hopefully that thinking prevails, or at least they don't move it from D to, to somewhere else, from the deputy from somewhere else. So yeah, and I think getting, continuing, you know, we started this idea under you know, Steinberg, actually, of having all the embassies having folks who were slugged to do this, but now yeah. they find that, and they've grown that more, and I think that's good. So, so look it takes time to do this uh, uh, you know and i think that they've got to continue they've got to you know, they've got you know no matter what happens in the election and that's going to be if, <laughs> i'm sure we'll be talking about that next i week. will bet on air that the current incumbent will be reelected we don't have to talk about that cuz it's not cyber diplomacy but as you know from your days as a prosecutor's juries love wiretap evidence and the conviction rate is over 90 percent when you have wiretap evidence so if you have audio of some guy saying can i get eleven thousand votes dude only the most incompetent prosecutor would not be able to get a conviction out of that as a, as an aside i remember when i did the first internet stock manipulation case we had the guy on tape saying the phoebes will never figure this out they're not they're too stupid <laughs> If they, even if they well, do, he's got a point but uh, speaking as <laughs> a former if, even if they do th nothing will ever happen to me and and we had one of the people when the scheme wearing a wire so that was good or we had you know a tape of i think kevin mitnick at the time social engineering those those are good you're right that's good evidence that's yeah understand so i think we've gone the full 30 minutes which is the ideal time for a podcast any final thoughts for 2023 as we bid it a fond farewell looking out the porthole Look, you know, I think I do think there's been progress this year. I think we've got to figure out accountability more. I think that's become more urgent as we see the activities rise. I think I'm happy to say that when ransomware and 
the invasion of Ukraine raised the profile of cyber to a real priority issue. It stayed that way, you yeah. know, and that's good. You, you know, the question is, will the focus be able to keep with all these other things like AI, and, you know, which is important, but a bit overhyped right now, but still important. Can we keep the conversation going in a in a really directed way? I hope so. And, and I think things like the counter ransomware initiative give me some hope in that we'll see where all these UN things going there. There is some, there's possibly some bright lights if they can actually get the program of action to be something that. Yeah. Is yeah. No, I, I, I think we made progress this year. It's the interesting thing to me is it's indirect. It's not like a frontal assault on first committee does this, but the indirect things like CRI and cybercrime and the capacity building we're making progress. And so that will give us plenty to talk about next year. Yeah. And and one last other thing, I just want to go back to the no, you know, back back when we when we were starting this, it was a small group of people, a small group of countries talking about it. I think one of the best things I've seen is so many other countries are in the game now. (laughs) No, that I mean that's good. I mean, like I'm laughing because at the second GGE, the third GGE, you know, the UN does Noah's Ark, so there has to be two of each animal. They pick two from each region. Right, to populate the group. And one region, the people showed up the first morning, left at lunch, and didn't come back until the last session. So <laughs> it's certainly no one would do that anymore, I hope. No, no. I, look, I, I, you know, people from the Pacific Islands have been active, really active and good. A, a woman from one of the countries there has been great. That always fills me with a sense of, okay, the conversation is broader and deeper. And that's great. You know, that part, I think, is a, is a highlight. But but we need to make progress. Okay, so on that note, we're going to say Happy New Year, Merry Assorted Holidays to our listeners, and we'll see you in 2024. Bye. (laughs) Okay.